0: Hi, everyone. I'm Scott Bateman, the CEO of Colmio, and you're listening to Agency of Change. It's great to have you with us today. I'm Brock Fisher, Head of Strategy at Colmio.
1: Now, as you know, Agency of Change is a podcast designed to showcase best practice and excellence in residential real estate in Australia.
0: That's right. And today I'm pleased to introduce our guest, joining us from Brisbane, Director and Principal Licensee of Rental Results, Lauren Robinson.
2: Yeah, thanks very much for having me, Scott and Brock.
0: Now, Lauren, you started Rental
1: Results, I think maybe seven years ago. Uh, In that time, you've not only grown your property management business, you've authored a book, you've spoken at conferences, uh, you've spoken at business forums, you've been on radio, you've been on podcasts. We're so excited to talk to you about all those things today. But before we do that, can you just tell us a little bit about your business?
2: Yeah, so, um, yeah, so it was just over seven years ago that I started. So um, we've now grown the business to just over 600 management. So we've got an amazing team. Um, and yeah, we only manage properties within 15 kilometers of Brisbane CBD. So we're quite niche on on the areas we focus on. Um, but it's been a really great journey.
1: Now, I want to ask a couple of questions about rental results specifically. But before I go there, I just want to jump in my little time machine and, and wind the clock back maybe <laughs> 10, 12, 13 years ago to talk specifically about, I guess, your time at Pro Rentals. Now, I guess for context for those uh, listening, Pro Rentals was quite a large scale, very forward thinking business at the time. And I recall from being in a com- competitive business uh, at the point in time that they did this really innovative thing where they, I think, were the first people that started paying property managers a revenue split. So, mm. you know, certainly from a competitor's point of view, we were hearing all these numbers like property managers earning $150,000 and all that sort of stuff. But I guess I wanted to get a bit of a feel from you about, I guess, firstly, how you um, took that news on board as a PM working at Pro Rentals at the time. And then, I guess, in practice, you know, what the what the plus side or the upside was and if there was any unintended consequences of that model at the time
2: um, I think that was a fantastic model I feel I worked there for I was lucky enough to work there for eight years started my career there in leasing um, worked there for a couple of years so I guess the leasing structure was similar as a leasing manager we were all on commission and so there was three people in our team um, I guess we had leasing inspection officers and also I was a leasing manager. So we shared that commission. So we were all very much incentivized the entire team to, for our, um, I guess, our goals as individuals within the organization were tied to the landlords. So if the properties weren't renting, we weren't achieving, like we weren't getting paid if their um, property managers had sick days, we had to pay another person in the office a percentage of our portfolio. So really we were sort of running our own businesses within a business. So I loved working there and it was a great model at the time.
1: Was there, I guess, a was part of the attraction that you could actually have some control over what you earned then, as opposed to just having a fixed salary or wage?
2: Oh, very much so. So I think we were all, you know, in the we were all property investors. So, and we were encouraged to do so, obviously benefited the business owners as well if we were locked in. But um, yeah, it was a really great business in that, you know, we were all purchasing properties. We had an investor mindset ourselves, but we were also earning high income. So if somebody left, we were like vultures trying to take on more than (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, we, I mean, at one point I was managing 250 properties. And back in those, days we did our own admin we did our own um, routines entries vacate so that was probably honestly too much that was a burnout stage um, i then scaled it back to around 230 and then we ended up putting our fees up so if people still wanted to us to manage or myself to manage their properties i had to pay more for that um, but yeah it was it was a great business
0: That's amazing. So can I ask then, you mentioned you were there for eight years. We often hear about this incredibly short career of property managers because they come in, burn out and leave. Was, was that kind of common, that business, that you had really kind of long periods that people have been working there? And in part, do you think that that's because of the model that you're talking about?
2: Oh, definitely so. Yeah. So we, um, I guess like the average turnover in a, as a property manager is six months now. So, um, you know, back in the day, like at Pro Rentals, we had a number of people, including myself, that had all been there for sort of five, six, seven, eight years, um, and I really do believe that was because we were all purchasing properties. We were all earning really high incomes, but we were working extremely hard for that too. It wasn't, you know, we were there very early in the mornings. We were working six days a week. So, um, but yeah, it was a great structure that allowed us to do so. Yeah. Wow. yeah,
0: That's amazing. So can I ask you mentioned a moment ago that um, you focus on properties within a 15 kilometer boundary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, a, Amazing, by the way. Um, I guess the the thing I find interesting, and I'd like to get your thoughts on starting up. It's really hard to know what to say no to, mm-hmm. and there's this temptation to take everything. and If someone's thirty five kilometers away, you kind of see it as, oh my god, it's revenue and it's a management.
1: Yes. How
0: did how did you make the decision to kind of contain your business to that boundary? Uh, And what advice would you have for someone else who might be looking to do something similar if they're tempted to kind of grab everything that pops up?
2: Yeah, I think any business, um, no matter what, you really need to know your market and niche um, and whether that's, you know, and I think like really like that was super important for me at the very beginning, especially when I'm driving there and I'm managing those properties. I didn't want to spend, you know, a, an hour on a Saturday driving to, you know, halfway to the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, it, and I knew that I'd have to be back there to do the sign-up. I'd be doing the entry condition report. Like, you know, you just don't have time. So I see that all the time and especially with business development managers who are incentivized by numbers to take Mm. on anything and everything. Um, I was very clear on, you know, we only manage these types of properties. If maintenance isn't being done, it's a liability to the business. So I think it's really important to know what you will and won't look after.
0: So when you talk about maintenance, then are you referring to potentially the owner's responsiveness as well? Like, is is there some discrepancy there in terms of who you manage for and who you don't?
2: Oh, very much so. Yeah. So if I go to a property and it's poorly, it's run down, if it's not being well maintained, if the owners are adverse to getting that repaired and and really making sure the property is presenting well, then that, you know, is a red flag to me. Now,
1: you're a specialist property management business. I guess, was, was that always a specific part of your plan or is that just um, kind of been one of those evolution things?
2: Um, I mean, I think it's probably been, it's, it's really just my passion. So I love property management. Um, I mean, over the years, I've been tempted to, you know, open a sales arm or, I mean, I guess, and like even buyer's agency or there's always these temptations. But I think if you focus on what you're good at, you um, that's really the key to it all
1: yeah i think what scott said earlier knowing what to say no to extends in so many different sort of areas um i think one of the challenges for a property management business is what you do with those clients that want to sell and in particular how you give yourself the best chance of being able to retain that management if it sells so do you have any thoughts or strategies in place in that space
2: yeah. I mean, I think that's sort of difficult because a lot of people obviously if they're selling through a different agency, we're at risk of losing that management because obviously the sales agent typically refers their own property management team. We try and build that relationship with the sales agent if it's out if it's not someone we've referred to. I guess the thing with us is that there are a couple of sales agents that we recommend on a regular basis purely because they align with our values and they deliver the same level of service service that we do, which is so important to me. Um, but yeah,
1: do you find that often a customer will ask you about the selling process, or given that you are a specialist property management business, do they just kind of make their own decisions independently?
2: Yeah, some. I mean, I guess probably. I think probably sixty percent of the time, we actually remind the owners that whilst we don't do property management, we can also recommend them to, you know, sales agents. We offer um, twice a yearly and um, updated sales appraisals. We also can offer them, um, ins- like. Uh, mortgage insurance, like, sorry, not mortgage insurance, um, introductions to mortgage brokers to make sure they're getting a health check on their mortgages. Also information around like um, financial planners. So just to make sure wow. there is equity in their investment, that they can unlock that and start purchasing more properties.
0: Which is really smart. Like one of the things we've often spoken about is is when you look at the number of properties the average investor has more often than not, it's one. There's generally speaking plenty of equity there. So the question becomes what's stopping people from going to property two, property three, property four? Yeah. And, and your business doubles overnight if oh, every one sure. of your landlords just buys one more property.
2: Yeah. I'm a massive um, advocate for property investing. My partner's a builder. We've got um, numerous properties ourselves, and I've been investing since I was like 21. So, wow. Um, highly recommend that. And, you know, I've like, I can see that it creates wealth. So, yeah. So it also means
1: you've got to think a bit differently about rent roll growth because you don't have that sales funnel to to kind of nurture. Um, I, yes. I have always admired your mastery of content and video uh, marketing. <laughs> you've got like rental results TV or on YouTube. You <laughs> oh, can't flick on LinkedIn without seeing Lauren scrolling through.
2: Oh, thank you. But yeah, it's just something that, yeah, we just do every week. So I think it's just keeping it consistent and just making sure it happens. So in
1: particular, what sort of, and without divulging all of your magical <laughs> secrets, what sort of results are you seeing from this continued focus on, on content marketing for lead gen?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of those things that's really hard to quantify. I think it's more about brand awareness. um, And it's also like from those videos, we often get people contacting us. And obviously, as a result, you know, lots of podcasts and, and the radio and things like that. So and like we often write for magazines now. So I think it just builds your entire like PR and marketing campaign. So it's just part of that strategy
0: so the other part of this conversation then which is kind of exciting is you wrote a book <laughs> we yeah. heard you allude to this earlier which is pretty cool yeah how did that come about like what's the process for deciding to write a book and then writing it and actually getting it published
2: oh uh, yeah well um i guess that like i did that key person of influence program so that's part of that is that they encourage you to publish so um and as a result you know i i wrote that book so i think um really it's been a really good marketing strategy so when i go out to a new business appointment it sets us apart that you know here's a book and if especially if it's a first-time property investor I mean that's really what who the book's written for and I guess that really answers a lot of their questions so I I mean I've sat with some owners for over two hours and they just the amount of they're super analytical and the amount of questions they've got (laughs) just keep on coming so I end up saying you know read the book.
1: (laughs) How long did it take you to write a book and like literally Uh, how do you get it published like i This is all a source of great mystery to me.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And I guess um, we do like a writing challenge. So it's a thousand words for a month. So you're literally writing a 30,000 words and then over that month, and then you're spending some time um, after that, just really honing in, um, and then you get an editor as well. So it's, it is a bit of a process. So probably it was like a 12-month project. Um, and then, yeah, we I've self-published. So you've got choices with who you publish and that sort of thing. But I've self-published. So we can literally order the books on demand. So when we get down to about 20 books, we might order another 100. And that way they're not sitting in your garage. <laughs>
1: team is something I wanted to have a chat about now, because you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier that you've had such long-term team members. And as we discussed earlier in this podcast, that's really quite rare in the industry when you look at the average. So what's the secret sauce, Lauren, how do you keep them for so long?
2: <laughs> I mean, we've certainly had some that have not lasted. Um, and I think it's definitely, it's, it's about making sure, and I've definitely learned over the seven years, like a lot about recruitment and, personality profiles and who you need in the job um, and I think yeah you definitely learn along as you go. Um, for me it's about making sure that we understand the strengths of, of the team members and then they're doing those things that they're naturally good at as opposed to and I think that's probably where a lot of property management agencies go wrong and where I've seen it like, you know, even myself, when I first started the business, like I was doing the trust accounting, the property management, the BDM, like, you know, naturally, I'm certain I'm good at certain things, but not others. Um, and I think it's understanding that and then matching those, those positives or strengths with, with what you, you're actually doing.
0: Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Can I, can I ask then, so over the seven years that you've been doing uh, that, you've been running this business and obviously taking into account your time prior are you seeing the type of people being drawn to property management change in terms of mindset, capability, et cetera? And, or do you think we need to start thinking very differently about the people that we want to bring into the industry going forward?
2: Um, I, I mean, I, I'm certainly seeing that within our own office and that comes down to who we're looking for these days. Um, across the entire industry, I'm not, it's a hard one to answer. I think, I mean, I'd like to see that the industry changes um, in term like I guess the structure I see work the most successfully these days is is having one property manager responsible for the owners and those relationships, and then another property manager responsible for for perhaps the tenants in those relationships. Someone else out on the road all the time, like a field officer doing entries, vacates, routines. So they're the the people that love being out and about, and I've definitely got a couple of people in the office like that. And (laughs) um, and then, yeah, leasing and BDM as a separate sort of beast, more as a sales person. So you're kind
0: of breaking it up into like niche skill sets and then bringing that together.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I guess when I was in property management, task-based property management, was always a big taboo and it was always like, (laughs) (laughs) no one wanted to do it. But I think naturally it just, that sort of, you know, we've got people in the office who are really good at nurturing those relationships. They, um, we don't know the owners even myself like it's nice and we we actually value that in as part of our role that we really enjoy whereas we've got other people in the office who don't like being stuck to a desk they want to be out and about so yeah
1: you mentioned personality profiles a little bit and that's always an area I find particularly fascinating is there any tool in particular that you use or recommend or is it part of your traditional kind of onboarding or recruiting process
2: it is part of it now. We use like just your disk profiling. Um, and I guess there's, there is a lot of other profiles out there. Like we, over the years, we've done heaps of different profile types. Um, and I've, yeah, and I, it, I guess that's sort of something that we've learnt more and more about as a team. So... Um, we just did like only only last week we did facial recognition profiling. So that was quite cool. We learned this from a guy called Alan Stevens um, and he teaches like, you know, um, all sorts of people, including the police and everyone on different types of like having a look at someone's face and then you can automatically notice certain traits and how they might react and oh wow yeah so we Actually, did, now I'm feeling yeah, analyzed, like, no, what's, no.
0: what's my face no <laughs>
2: yeah, so everyone in the office we were all profiled and then wow. he he spoke to each like he did a video on each of us and then we had a whole zoom meeting for two hours on Friday last week as to how we operate and the strengths and weaknesses within our team and it was really eye-opening
0: wow and, and accurate, like you think he got it right?
2: Yeah. I mean, and one of, the, one of the guys actually commented in the office that he feels like he finally understands himself. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> so we've spoken a bit about um, uh, having a right structure that plays to people's strengths, you know, some of the personality-based stuff. Is there anything that you do, I guess, culturally or for engagement, just like socially in terms of awards, recognition, like yoga, outside of work, like any of that type of stuff?
2: Yeah, I think that's sort of really important to make sure you understand what people would like as a reward as well. So, I mean, we do we often do team um, team get-togethers and, you know, we just did um, like a January, after January, February, so our peak season, we all went to dinner together. And, um, I mean, a couple of us just went to ARIC, the ARIC conference on the weekend. So I think it's just, you know, knowing what people want in the business. We obviously will do an end of financial year party, Um But, you know, none of us are really big drinkers or anything. So it's not like your typical traditional sort of, you know.
1: (laughs) Sound like any business I've ever worked at.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's not really like what I work for either, but it's just just based on the people. And, yeah, and I guess like we're all at a a similar age group. So um, it's quite nice. And a couple of the girls go to, you know, CrossFit together. And it's just it's a good group.
1: So we spoke a little bit about the structure you're running there. Can you talk us through, I guess, your, and I would call it because I don't even know if it has a word, but let's call it managerial cadence, like how you catch up with people, how frequently, what are the sorts of conversations you're having, and if you have any particular sort of KPIs or performance metrics that you keep an eye on?
2: Yeah. So everyone has KPIs in the business. So leasing, um, that's aligned to a a monthly bonus. Um, The property management assistants have KPIs as well. So we all work off Trello boards. And as a result of that, like it's, it's basically these things need to be completed each day, depending on their role. And then they get their bonus based on that. The property manager, that's more based on the revenue that comes into the business. And obviously, um, like how many properties are vacant, all that sort of stuff. So that's that's a different set of KPIs for her. Terms of one to one. so we do weekly one-to-ones. Um, I personally don't run those. It's my team leader, Daphne. So she runs those with with everyone in the office. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's really a key part of what we do these days is making sure that, you know, how was your week? Were there any challenges? Like what do you feel like you need more lear- like training around? So... Um, yeah, and then obviously training we do every two weeks as well.
0: So with, with the revenue targets then, do you, is it just sort of management fee or do you have other avenues to generate revenue and does the PM get involved in that at all?
2: So I guess I do all the new business within the office. So that's essentially down to me to, you know, work out where we, our fee structure, but um, we're pretty unwavering on that sort of structure too. So we don't, um, and I guess we're at the point now where, you know, if we grow, that's great, but we're, you know, it's more about quality rather than quantity for us.
0: What a great spot to be in.
2: Yeah, we're very yeah. lucky. Um, and I think- Well, no,
0: I think you 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 earn that, right? Like you've clearly <laughs> done a lot of work to get there.
2: Oh. <laughs> thank you. Well, and I guess for us, it's also, um, yeah, so when it comes to the KPIs for the property manager, it's not about, um, you know, whether they generate more income. It's more so about how well they manage that portfolio. So, and, you know, I guess um, if they were to, to add more additional properties onto their portfolio, they definitely get incentivized through that. Um, but essentially, it's usually myself that brings on the new business.
1: I just want to... I just want to emphasize a couple of points you've just made there. Cause I think we need to just kind of pull them out for a bit of emphasis because I think it's important learning for people listening the The one-on-one thing there, firstly, weekly. So always scheduled. And also just how simple it was. Like you just captured three questions there. And I think so often people are confronted by the concept of a one-to-one because it has to be some sort of weird formal structure, but I think in many ways, the, <laughs> yeah. more, the more casual, the better. And also the other point you made there was scheduled training so every fortnight we're doing training on some sort of thing and I think that's a you know that's a really good cadence to be to be in from a business point of view so who does your training do you bring in people do you do it yourself? like how's that work
2: um a range of different people so and I guess sorry one point on that one-to-one we actually so we've actually changed that as well so we used to do the one-to-one where we'd sit with the like we'd sit with the team member and say you know how was your week and you know depending on how they were feeling if it's Friday afternoon they'd just be like yeah it was good and they weren't very open to talking <laughs> yeah. um so they're like we want to get, get out of here out so of we here. <laughs> <laughs> so now we actually give them the um the one-to-one form to fill in beforehand and that's when they can bring up any items and then they bring it forward to us so it's really them them telling us how their week was um I guess in terms of the training, so we've had, we like, it was only last week we had training with our electrician. So, and then we did videos around that. So we've done four videos last week on, you know, hot water systems, safety switches, all that sort of, you know, the stuff that we see every day of the week. And then we've had training with plumbers. Um, my partner's a builder. So he does training with um, the team on site at properties to talk to them about wood rot and things to look out for at routine inspections and, um, yeah, I mean, we, we've had term, termite inspectors come in and talk to us about what this looks like or, you know, what's water damage, what's termite damage. Um, and then we also do our own in-house training. So we're members of, you know, REIQ and also Stacey Holt. So we do some of that training in, in the office as well.
0: Um, so Lauren, you also offer consulting and coaching services. Could yes. you tell us a bit about the work that you do there?
2: Yeah, so I've actually just done um, quite a bit of training for um, a couple of offices. So I've done some large franchises and then um, was lucky to work with an amazing office in Canberra a few weeks ago with quite a large team. So um, we, I typically, I guess when I started that, so I've done a course with Lee Woodward. So it's a marketing course on growing a rent role. And so from there, I guess I've started doing some coaching and training and I still coach a company in Brisbane on a weekly basis. Um, It depends on what they need as as a business. So typically when I started, it was about business growth. Um, And now, I mean, I just did sessions on conflict resolution for that team and it was also... Yeah, and it was also um, we touched on customer service and mapping out your customer service journey and making sure like all your touch points are covered. So... It just varies depending on the office.
0: That's really interesting. And in fact, I just realized we haven't really kind of dove into any of the piece around tenants and the experience they have with you guys Mm. how important is their experience with your business and what's some of the stuff that you do to really kind of make that as strong as it is by the sounds of things
2: yeah I mean for us we contact tenants once they've lived in the property for two weeks so we're making sure that they're happy there is anything how's everything going have you settled in is there anything outstanding at the moment or anything you want to bring up with us um, we also give them welcome gifts or that's something we offer to owners if they want to um, purchase a welcome gift for a tenant. And I'd say probably six out of 10 would take that up. So six. Wow.
0: That's really high. Yeah,
2: a lot of our owners, um, I guess, and it's also the demographics that we work with, but they want to make sure that that's a great experience. They view their tenants as their clients um, and, you know, essentially we're making, looking after their clients and hopefully they have a great experience. So um and also when we do the routine inspection so we're sending remind so obviously the weeks um notice we're sending a reminder the day before so there's no surprises everyone gets busy um where often like last year we delivered quite a little like a few things during the tenancy so we we did a freckle a chocolate freckle which said you know thank you hundreds (laughs) and thousands of times for being a little chocolate reindeers at christmas so it's just little things we get we do coloring in um certificates for tenants, um, kids' bedrooms to say, you know great work on you know for having clean, tiny bedrooms. So it's the little touch points, but we' we're always looking for ways that we can make that experience really positive.
0: That is so impressive. and and can I ask then, do you find as a consequence of doing this, you've got happier tenants and therefore happier property managers.
2: Oh, uh, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, as part of our role, there's always going to be some sort of conflict at times, you know. But, you know, if we can try and make that relationship as positive as possible, if they understand that, you know, we're working for the owner and we're trying to get a win-win solution at all times, then, you know, I guess, you know, hopefully they see it as, you know, it's not necessarily us being the bad guys all the time. Like it's we work within the legislation, so... Yeah.
1: So you briefly mentioned customer experience, customer journey mapping, um, and I guess mm. at the risk of, you know, giving out some free consulting advice. <laughs> um, <laughs> have you got any tips for people about how they would actually go about that? Because I think it's really commonly misunderstood.
2: Where to start? Yeah. Um, I mean, for us, it was a massive process. So um, I think we really really sat down as a team. And so the first step was mapping out like even how... You know, from the very beginning, what, where does an owner even, when they're considering needing a property manager, what, what do they go through in that process through to, um, you know, right through that whole phase of, okay, now I've chosen to meet with three agents, you know, what's going to set us apart and what do we do differently here? And now they've signed up, what's that onboarding process looks like? So I think as a an entire team, we've sat down and spoke about that. Um, and then, you know, really, it was probably about a three hour process to map out that journey. And it's always a continuing work in progress.
1: So do you actually have that somewhere like on a wall or in a chart or?
2: Yes. So I actually did this myself yesterday with um, one of my business coaches as well. So um, within our office, so we sat down and just brainstormed some new ideas and But yeah, constantly we're working on this. So initially we mapped it out on these, you know, those really large post-it notes that you've sticked to your walls. (laughs)
1: Massive post-its.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then we took photos of it and then we all spoke about it and then we've mapped it all out and then condensed it into like a flow chart. So, um, but it can't be something that you sort of do once and then you kind of forget about. Like a procedure manual? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's got to be something that you speak about all the time. So... Um, we often talk about things like that. At, we have a Tuesday morning meeting, so we speak about that at the meeting and say, you know, this was the feedback on this. How do you think we could have improved this or was there something else we could do here? Um, yeah, and all the time people are coming forward with new ideas.
0: Did you find your team got a kick out of going through that process with you?
2: Yeah, so we, we do, like we've just recently done our vision and our values again, um, so we do that every year. And I think that's something that we, we all really enjoyed and we all sort of came forward with what we believe the vision should be and then we sort of have a talk about why we mesh that together then in the end. Um, I mean, even our values, like that's, that's something that we talk about all the time. It's on our walls. So, um, yeah, I think anything like that, it helps to create your, your, your why that you're in business and also how, how your office is different to, you know, the one next door sort of thing.
0: Amazing. Lauren, I want to ask you a final question. So it's a, it's a question that we ask all of our guests on the podcast. Um, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give day one in property management, Lauren, mm. on the journey she's about to set out on?
2: <laughs> Is this day one of property management or day one in my business? Uh, let's let's go. You actually.
1: Yeah,
2: Yeah, let's do both. The (laughs) double. Okay, why not? Um, I guess day one in property management, I I still remember the address of my first property that I ever managed. It was in (laughs) Burrell Street in Clayfield, um, and I remember that I had the tenant so I was doing the sign up and the tenants hadn't actually paid their bond and so it was and I just was like I just wanted everything to be perfect I'd spent hours doing this entry condition report and I just remember feeling so upset and disappointed in myself that I'd like oh, no. <laughs> they got to the sign up and I think I was about 19 years mm-hmm. old and I just remember and I think you know understanding that you're going to make mistakes you learn along the way I think having the systems and structure within your office to support you is super important and luckily i worked in a really great office and they were like it's okay everyone does (laughs) does these things but i think if you're starting out in property management it's really important to make sure you find the right office and you you learn the correct way i think so often it's sink or swim in this industry and that's when you know it can become super stressful and you probably don't enjoy it
0: And for the business owners out there, so day one as a business owner?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be tough knowing that that first year, especially if you've gone out on your own and you don't have any backing, um, it's going to be a hard year. And I think just knuckle down, um, suck it up and just do everything you possibly can to, you know. get through that but um it definitely gets better I remember meeting with um Shannon from Image Property at the time and I remember his words still sit with me we met at the regatta and he said you know it definitely gets better like the bigger you get the better your team gets and I'm like I just I'm so grateful that he said that to me at the time because I was just so deflated and ready to just it was too much (laughs) so but now I look back and I'm it's been an amazing journey
0: well that is amazing and incredible advice um, unfortunately though that is all we have time for today if you'd like to know more about lauren head to her website laurenrobinson.com.au uh, we'll post that link and the link for rental results in the show notes on the journal at comio.com. lauren a big thank you for all your time and wisdom today
2: thanks so much brock and sky it's been great
1: you've been listening to agency of change it's been great having you with us
2: we'll see you next time